Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hola, healthy gardeners. Welcome to The Healthy Garden Podcast, where we take many looks at many things in and around gardening that concern you and your health. Also, your soil's health which has a direct effect on your garden's health. Today, we're going to focus on one of the biggest questions, misconceptions, and least understood pieces of gardening that surrounds one of the simplest things. Water. Water. What is it? Why is water so important? Maybe the most important thing on this planet. It's right up there with seed, soil, honeybees, which is right up there with microbes, sunshine, coffee. Hey, who wrote this? Obviously a coffee junkie. I wouldn't know any of those, would you, Norma? (laughs) Coffee, I mean water, is defined in the Britannica Dictionary as a noun meaning the clear Liquid that has no color, taste, or smell that falls from the clouds as rain that forms streams, lakeland, seas, and that is used for drinking, washing, etc. Obviously, the editors from Britannic have never had any tap water in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, hey, I asked for a glass of water at a restaurant in L.A., and this waiter in a hazmat suit brings me a steak knife, a fork, and an after-dinner mint. <laughs> part of that's a joke, and part of that's the truth. As a kid who grew up in L.A., we all know the water there is hard, loaded with mineral. It's got salts like magnesium, calcium, copper, chlorine, iron. The tap water in L.A. is supposedly safe. The five biggest contaminants in L.A., well, in L.A.'s water, (laughs) is arsenic, bromate, chromium-6, radiological contaminants, and trihalomethanes. The good news is that all of those were within acceptable levels of the Safe Drinking Water Act. I was thinking about water the other day when we were out in the garden watering. We live across the street from a river and have a really good water supply in our area. And I'm told that it's been that way for years. But we still buy spring water, natural spring water, from a company here in Oregon. The water's good. It tastes great. And we know where it comes from. We see where these guys tap it. Uh, when we drive across to the coast. It's a water spring that's in the coastal mountains. Buying bottled water, I guess, is a tough habit to break. Uh, For years, we got, in Los Angeles, bottled water from Mountain Valley because, hey, they say on the bottle it served the presidents. I'm going to leave it right there. This is not a political show. One of the things I was thinking about when we were out in the garden the other day was that if I buy bottled water from me, what about my plants? How's the water that they're drinking? If you look at the list of what's in the L.A. water, 
then you could literally grow your plants in the high mineral content water without using any other nutrients. I'm not saying you would have the healthiest plants in the world and they would for sure not be organic. And that brings up a whole other question about growing organic plants, but they could survive for a pretty long time on just a water diet. I think that's what's happening down in Los Angeles. In fact, I know it is from some people, but the water in so many cities across the U.S. absolutely stinks. Sometimes literally, unless you're into a chlorine or chloramine cocktail or worse. If you want to know more about your local water, check it out. I would for sure. One study that was done back in 2016-2017, the pre-COVID era, showed that 90% of the tap water across the U.S. was in compliance. That's good. With all published EPA standards. My question? Compliance, huh? What was in the other 10%? <laughs> well, anyhow, back to my plant sustaining on just agua. In an organic gardening class I taught down in L.A. and a bunch of other towns across the country, I asked the people in the class what they were feeding their plants. Water was one of the big answers. So I'm going to leave us with that cliffhanger. Is water food? Child of mine, I've a violent temper to lose. When I speak, I reek of booze. You know I rarely tell the truth. But believe me when I say that when she leaves, you should run loose. Oh, when she leaves, you should run loose. Hey there, healthy gardeners. I want to introduce all of you to our latest sponsor. Drum roll, please. Me! I'm here to invite all of you to my new website called Social Compost. It's where I post commentary and articles that I call inputs on organics, gardening, farming and food, sobriety, seeking God, news, culture, landscape design, business, music, and other things that I think might help my friends out there to have a healthier and happier life. You can find my inputs at socialcompost.substack.com. That's Social Compost com. Again, to check out the written word by yours truly, visit my website, Social Compost, at socialcompost.substack.com. One, two, three, four. One, One two, two, three, four. Honestly, I'm a little tired of the day day 
Did you all think about the question of the day? Is water food? I guess one thing to do is try and think about living without it. But just at its face value, is it a food? For that, we turn to the experts on what food is and is not. The FDA. (laughs) Come on, people. I'm being serious here. Really, I actually checked in with this very powerful and influential organization that costs U.S. taxpayers over $7 billion per year to run. That's no laughing matter. It's also responsible for the oversight of $2.7 trillion worth of food, medical products, and tobacco. FDA-regulated products account for 20 cents of every single dollar spent by U.S. consumers. Think about that. 20 cents of every dollar in the U.S. is spent on something regulated by the FDA. So, the experts, the FDA, that I, the guys I've chosen to answer our question of the day, regulate around 78% of America's food supply. Everything except meat, poultry, and some egg products. Guess who regulates that stuff? The same guys who regulate organic. If you don't know, go back to the past episodes to answer that question. You'll find the answer. A quick list shows from the FDA that's pretty embedded in our life and in the products you buy. You might actually say they're like family, an Orwellian side of the family. They regulate over 20,000 prescription drugs, 6,700 different medical devices, 1,600 animal drugs, and over 600, in quote, biological products, plus 100,000 tobacco products, plus the other 78% of your food supply. So when we say we want to know, is water food? We're asking the FDA, and here's what they had to say. According to Section 201F of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, water is a food as defined in the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. It is a normal constituent of many foods and is essential in the preparation and processing of most commercially prepared foods. However, it is also one of the most ancient and cheapest of food adulterants and should not be used as such. There you have it, folks. Water is food. Da-da! They are clear about that as well as giving us a warning about water being used as an adulterant, meaning to cheapen or render something poor or less by adding another substance. That translated means that we should be careful of buying things that are watered down. That's where the terminology came from. How many things at the nursery or supermarket have 1% active ingredients with the rest of the ingredients being water? And the same goes for the super-duper market for stuff like canned goods, sauces, sports drinks, or the muy fabuloso and muy healthy global 
$836 billion soft drink market. Wow. Do you realize what a can of worms that we just opened up? A can of worms that has been adulterated with water, which is also known as food in government circles. Let's take that one step further with food. Where do the water come from? In the drinks, the sauces, canned goods, coffee drinks, and soft drinks. Is it clean? Is it tap water? Is it filtered? Does it come from the 10% of the water in the country that didn't meet the EPA standards? This is big, what I'm telling you guys. Are we getting more toxins in our beverages than in our food? Well, for that matter, if you are using any type of city water to water your garden, especially your veggies, can you actually grow organic veggies in your organic garden? What about the water that they are using when we buy store-bought vegetables? Is it clean? Is it full of high levels of mineral that can cause us to absorb these nutrients at toxic levels into our bodies? Holy guacamole! This is a rabbit hole we're diving down, but one that I think we better check into. Let's finish up this segment with the ag piece of water. In the final segment, I'm going to talk about the usual gardening stuff about why plants need water, but also give you some real organic gardening tips that are practical and not the -the run-of-the-mill drivel I've seen some expert gardening blogs and uncutting-edge podcasts give. I'm going to give you real stuff here. As usual, I am pushing the envelope here, gang. I want us all to think, are we being systematically poisoned by our water, whether it's through the tap or in the food we are consuming from the store? For that matter, are you getting toxins through the products that you are buying at the nursery to grow your own food in at home? Sometimes I feel like we are on an island here at the Healthy Garden. I know that I discuss these things with Norma and my other friends like Eric Lancaster from Probiotics Heal the World on Substack, but is anyone else out there, especially in the garden or farming community, asking these questions or discussing this? Has anyone in your garden club brought up water toxicity? Are there any speakers at the garden shows or at the farm lectures that you plan on attending addressing the subject of water pollution? And if not, why? I took a dive off the high dive into the pool of polluted ag water on the CDC's website. Yes, that CDC. And here's what I found. Growth in agricultural production has created an increase in contaminants polluting soil and waterways because, according to the EPA, non-point source pollution pollution that comes from many sources, unlike single-source pollution that comes from two of my favorites, industrial pollution and sewage treatment plants, non-point pollution begins when polluted runoff is created by rainfall or snow melt moving over and through the ground. As the runoff moves, it picks up and carries away natural and human-made pollutants and deposits them into watersheds via lakes, rivers, wetlands, coastal waters, and even our underground sources of drinking water. 
The causes of agricultural non-point source pollution include poorly managed animal feeding operations, overgrazing, overworking the land, which means plowing too often, and poorly managed and ineffective application of pesticides, irrigation water, and fertilizer. The CDC says fresh fruits and vegetables come in contact with water during various stages of the production process. Contaminated water that is used during crop production, harvesting, and processing can lead to health issues. There are several points along the food production line where contaminated water sources can affect crop production during chemical application, irrigation, worker hygiene, and during food processing stage. They close out their piece titled Water Contamination with these little nuggets. People who consume fruit or vegetables that were exposed to contaminated water are at risk of developing a foodborne illness. Some of the bacteria that are spread through the water within the United States include E. coli, salmonella, giardia, and hepatitis A. They close out with a piece on livestock, which I like to refer to as animal slavery. It is important that livestock, or animal slaves, are provided with adequate amounts of quality water free of contamination. Contaminated water can contain disease-causing organisms which can rapidly spread if animals are drinking from the same trough. If there is reason to question the quality of the water, it is important to test the water to ensure its safety. There are many chemicals and microorganisms that can potentially be dangerous to livestock. Some chemicals include nitrates, sulfates, and chemicals found in pesticides. Well, I think that little ditty proves my point on asking all of the questions I asked earlier. It sounds to me like a lot of the sources of ag water may be compromised, and a lot of the fruits and veggies plus meat you meat eaters might get from animals is coming from not great drinking water. What does this mean for your garden? Well, we're going to chat that up next. I've got brand new thoughts. I'm so glad they're there. I've had the same damn things wandering through my mind for years. Yeah, live in a house on top of long, lonely hill. Hi, healthy gardeners. Here are some of the sources that we use to get the cleanest drinking water you could find. In 2022, before we moved to Oregon, we were getting our water delivered by AliveWaters.com. Before that, it was Mountain Valley spring water, but then they got purchased by Sparklets. So then we found Alive Waters. Alive Waters has these beautiful two-and-a-half-gallon reusable glass bottles of very fresh, energizing spring water that has been vortexed naturally. It was the best I've ever had. When we moved, they weren't servicing this area, so we started using H2O's spring water from a spring that's just an hour from here. If you live in Northern or Southern California, in Texas or Florida, Alive Waters has two springs 
that has zero industrial contamination, including the absence of radioactive isotopes, which are found in most springs. They also have the perfect mineral balance, ideal for health and great tasting water. Go to AliveWaters.com and order your truly clean, energizing, healthy water today. And for anyone who uses the discount code HEALTHY with no caps, get 15% off your first water delivery and everything purchased with it. Go to AliveWaters.com today for your healthy family. All right, back to our last question before we left off for another wonderful announcement from Norma. What does agricultural water pollution mean to your garden? First off, that means if you are putting any kind of ag byproduct in your yard that is coming from animal waste or plant waste that has come in contact with ag water, which means everything that comes from a farm, okay, basically, or a water supply near that farming operation for food production, that means the bone meal, the blood meal, the feather meal, the cottonseed meal, the soy meal, all comes from conventional ag farms and our conventional ag byproducts. We use healthy garden protocols in our real organic garden. So I don't ever use any of those things, ever. And why don't I use those products, gang? Herbicides and pesticides. And that is the issue with a lot of ag water. The same chemicals that they are spraying the crops and the stuff that they sell for food and use for feed on the animals that go to slaughter are all sprayed with glyphosate and pesticides. And then it gets into the water stream as described beautifully by the CDC. If you have any of these byproducts in your garden that you are bringing in, then you're bringing in pesticide and herbicide residue. The same thing happens when you bring in cheap garden compost and potting soils. The humus component of the potting soil or soil or compost is generally composted chicken manure, sometimes mushroom compost, in which the mushrooms are usually grown in poultry litter. So again, you're bringing in pesticide and herbicide-filled waste as well which nobody talks about, but the chlorine that they clean all of the birdhouses with, you're bringing that into your garden and it kills the soil microbes. And as it breaks down into the soil, it gets into the green leafy tissue of your plants or in your fruits when the nutrient is uptaken from the rhizosphere, the root zone of your plants into the plant. Water is also critical here, for it is through water that plant-available, water-soluble nutrients are taken up or moved through the roots into your plants through osmosis. And what happens here is water passes through the soil, from the soil, because it's a big pool, right, which is called an area of high concentration, 
and into the plant through a semi-permeable barrier, which are its root hairs. So take note here. In a real organic garden, those nutrients have been broken down by the soil microbes and soil animals and made available for uptake into the plants into a form that the plant can absorb in the water. These nutrients have been broken down from natural organic matter, limbs, leaves, all that kind of stuff, to nutrients that's actually locked in your soil like a clay soil, to compost, compost teas, worm castings, even some of the biological inoculants that you might use. In traditional gardening that I like to call big chem gardening, which is gardening from over the past century all the way through today that uses chemical or synthetic fertilizer as the primary source of nutrient, as well as the big chemi, pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides. If you or someone you know still gardens with fertilizer or any of Uncle Kemi's goodies, I want you to understand that the fertilizer is water-soluble, which allows the nutrients into the plants the same as in organic gardening. The nutrients are all the same. Whether it's organic or inorganic, they are all inorganic nutrient. Also, of note, so you know, water is considered inorganic. The big difference or the key difference in your garden is what is known as soil salinization. This is a condition that is caused by readily soluble salts like chloride, sulfate, and nitrate, as well as sodium, that get into the garden through the fertilizers. Soil salinity harms plants because it affects their photosynthesis, respiration, and it causes them to wilt, to dry out, and to even die. Soil salinization in the garden landscape or on the farm is further exacerbated by poor irrigation practices and the type of water and source of where your water comes from. If you grow real organic, you don't have to worry about this kind of stuff because you are not getting the kinds of salt buildup that any conventional garden, landscape, or farm has. As in conventional, as in big cam gardening, big cam farming. There are farm-related experts, and I've chatted with them, that will tell you, well, animal manure can cause salt-based ion exchange issues too, but that is not really the case, gang. It's from farmers that are not growing really organic, who are using too much liquid manure and animal manures from animals that are fed conventional feeds that they can use in alleged organic agriculture. Anybody who doesn't want to change or with ties to the old toxic school can come up with any phony ag school or big chem white paper kind of garbage to, to solidify an argument. It's not true. The last things of note for your garden regarding water are this. Photosynthesis. Super important, right? Everybody knows about photosynthesis. So during photosynthesis, plants take in carbon dioxide from the air and water from the soil. Within the plant cell, the water is oxidized, meaning it loses electrons, while the carbon dioxide is reduced, meaning it gains electrons. 
This transforms the water into oxygen and the carbon dioxide into glucose. During photosynthesis, plants trap light energy with their leaves. Plants use the energy of the sun to change water and carbon dioxide into sugar called glucose. Glucose is what is used by plants for energy and to make other substances like cellulose and starch. Cellulose is used in building the cell walls of plants. Water, important in transpiration. So evapotranspiration also includes transpiration, which is the water movement from the soil to the atmosphere from plants. Transpiration occurs when plants take up liquid water from the soil and release water vapor into the air from their leaves. The transpiration rate is directly proportional to the absorption of water by the roots from the soil. A decrease in water absorption causes the closure of the stomata and wilting, thereby reducing the rate of transpiration. Germination. Water is considered the primary germination regulator as germination begins with seed imbibition. Sufficient moisture must be present for germination to take place. Pretty important, right? If you're doing what we do, we do a lot of stuff from seed. We do a lot of, of direct sow. Really important to have water, the correct amount of water, in the soil to germinate the seeds. Those last tidbits are a few good things to ponder. I'm not going to bore you with how much to water and when to water. I might do that some other time. Just don't overwater. You will potentially be creating a microbial imbalance with your ciliate population, and you might be creating pockets of soil with anaerobic conditions that won't be good for you, for the beneficial soil microbes, or for your plants. Think about the questions and scenarios we pose today. We think water is key to our health, key to your health, and to the health of this planet. Fight your rights to safe, clean, drinking and bathing water, as my brother Tim says. Happy and healthy gardening, me familia. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.